You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. Well, good morning. We are nice, nicely, equally distributed through the grass this morning. I really appreciate that. We have some nice lanes here down the aisle for the altar call later. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. Although, if you want, that we can we can make that happen. Uh, response. Uh, I wanted to start with sharing with you three habits I've developed over the last year. Uh, and I hope that you would reserve your judgment, okay, for me on some of these habits. Three habits I've developed that I've been com- really committed to, I've realized. The first habit involves the Phoenix Suns. Thank you. We have this really, we have this problem in our congregation. I don't know if you guys know this. We have like a, this crew of Mavericks fans that are part of our, I don't know how this happened, but like four or five people that are Mavericks fans. I don't know, we're not going to expel them, but it's challenging to have that in our congregation, the, the lack of unity. But anyways, uh, over this last couple of years, it's been really exciting after 10 years where it was really not that exciting. And I found myself developing this habit where usually their games are right around when the kids go down for bed. And I'm trying to be a good parent and all and present. I just say, hey, Keaton, you go deal with the three kids. But like, let me help too. So I help put one of the kids down. And usually by the time they put the kids down, it's like, oh, I've missed half the game. I just won't watch it. But I discovered in the last year, YouTube does this thing where they take all of the major scoring plays of the game and boil it down to a 10-minute YouTube video. Two and a half hours of a game that you missed now is only 10 minutes. It's the modern gift of taking things that were really complex and simplifying them down. And so I think this year I've probably only missed five to ten total games of those YouTube clips. Ten minutes. I found myself, this is the embarrassing part, I found myself at times like, oh, there was a game tonight, and I'm up for some reason at midnight. Like, oh, I might as well watch the ten-minute YouTube clip right now of the highlights of the game. Or, oh, I missed the game. i got, I got to go find the YouTube clip. I'm committed to it. Like every time and I feel like I, I justify it because like yeah I didn't waste two and a half hours watching the game I just watched it for 10 minutes right I was being present as a parent but I've, I've been doing that this last year I've noticed that's the first habit we have a great Missio Sons thread if you'd like to be part of it this is my cue for you can join in if you would like uh, no Mavericks fans or any other fans but if you're a Suns fan you can get on there the second thing is this uh, one of the big jokes of in pastor, pastor world is they only work one day a week on Sundays ha 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 you guys, thank you. Great. That's not true here, okay? I work more than just Sundays. But my schedule usually is Sunday through Thursday. So usually my weekend is Friday and Saturday, the two days that, that I try not to do too many Missio things. Usually on Friday, I respond to emails and stuff like that. But on Friday morning, we have this habit we developed in our house over the last year that it's cleaning day. And my kids have gotten to the point where... We'll see you later. The kids have gotten to the point where they're like, Dad, like, why are we having to clean on Fridays? Like, the house is already kind of clean, and I would just like you to play with us. Like, and I say, guys, we have to clean. Like, the Sabbath is coming Friday night to start. Friday morning is a time to clean. Like, go to your room and pick up your Legos or, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, Dad, we just want to play. But every Friday, I, most, most every Friday, if you were just to drive by my house, you'll either, see me, you'll either see me inside cleaning the living room, vacuuming and mopping, or doing the landscaping. Like every Friday, that's what we do, whether my kids like it or not. Say, so guys, the rest day's coming, but come on, focus right now. We've got to get to that Friday night. So every Friday, like, dude, that's our rhythm in our house as we start the weekend. 
The third habit is this. Uh, this is maybe the most embarrassing of the three. Is I have this, I've developed this habit, I've realized, of where with my phone, some of some folks in this congregation have even gone to like a real dumb phone where it's like a flip phone. Do you guys know those still exist? Uh, most of us still have iPhones, which is great for group messages. Sorry, if you're not an iPhone for group messages, it's absolutely miserable. I just want to point that out. I have a fly that's trying to get me. This is great. Um, but what I've been, I've noticed is I take away all my notifications. So my phone really is in many ways a dumb phone because I don't have all the apps going off every t five minutes trying to take me away from what I'm focusing on. But I do have a pattern. And the pattern is I religiously check my email like 15 times a day. And I have this like imp impulsive, like I got to get to inbox zero before 5 p.m. each day. Some of you are like, I get way too many emails. I could never do that. Some of you love to have that many emails open. You should see my wife's phone. It's got a lot of emails that are on there. She loves it that way. That's totally fine. You're, you're prerogative. But for me, for me, I love to get to inbox zero. But it's like a religious thing where it's a committed thing where every couple minutes almost it feels like at a stoplight while driving sometimes, okay, if I'm by myself on the road. I don't tell Keaton about that later. She's in kids today. Uh, whether it's like, hey, kids, real quick, I got to run and get some coffee or tea from the other room. Like, oh, let me just check my email real fast. Like, I'm committed to it. I would love, you don't need to say this out loud because it might be embarrassing. I'd love for you to think through what are the two or three things in your life that are you are like, in a sense, the habits that you are most committed to. Like that you will disrupt other things to do them could be a cup of coffee in the morning to start your day. Like, hey, I don't do anything else until I get a cup of coffee. Could be like checking your financial status, like bank accounts or investments or stocks. It could be um, some kind of show or TV that you watch regularly. Could be your email. Like, what are those things that you're like devoted to? Like where you'll disrupt everything else in a sense to get back to that thing that you need to do or accomplish. Just think silently for a moment. What are those two or three things? Regardless if it's your email, a show that you watch, a, uh, a, a pattern you have of drinking coffee religiously each day, like there are certain things that we are devoted to above all other things. And the picture we've been given here in Acts 2, which is our kind of our theme for this whole series, is that the church was devoted to four things. And I want to talk through what even that word devoted means here because I think it's really interesting. They're devoted to four things. And last week we gave kind of a vision that this picture in Acts 2 is a vision of a family that's been formed and developed and cultivated in light of the resurrection. And then this week we're going to say, hey, this family was devoted to four things. Now, if you looked at Acts 2, you don't have to turn there right now. It just says, and they devoted themselves. That word devoted is two words in the Greek. It's the word pros or pros, which means to go towards. And it's the word katerio, which means to strenuously persevere or endure. So put it together, you could almost say it translates something like, I continue steadfast in these commitments over a long period of time despite difficulty. In a sense, it's the things you keep going back to despite your circumstances. It's like when I'm checking my email religiously, like, hey, nothing will derail that pattern in my life. I will be devoted to that. Regardless if I'm playing with my kids, I'm driving in the car, in another meeting, like I will come back to that thing. I'm committed, despite difficulty, I'm devoted to this thing. But here in Acts 4, or Acts 2, it gives us four things that the church was devoted to that you're probably really familiar with. And today, instead of trying to uh, tell you why you should practice these things, like to give you a sermon on the reason why we practice the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, we're actually going to practice those things together. It's going to be less sermon and more lab. We're really good in the church of talking about things a lot, but then actually never doing anything with it. 
So this is going to be less you hearing me talk and more you listen to one another who bear the image of God and the Holy Spirit if they're following Christ. And we're going to see what the Lord does in our midst. So the first thing I want to do is I want to get you into groups of like five or six people. You can kind of just turn to the people around you. It could be more than five or six or less, but kind of get in some groups where it's more than three people. But get in some groups around you, and we're going we're gonna to do the first practice, which is the apostles' teaching together. Like, what does it mean that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching? The apostles were simply taking the story of the Bible from creation to restoration and seeing it through the lens that Jesus is the hero. That's what Paul's doing in all of his letters. He's just retelling the story, saying Jesus is now the hero that you should worship. So we've been practicing as a church the lectionary, where we have all these readings that go together, and we're going to do that together in our smaller groups right now, and I'm going to lead us through a practice of that. So if you can get in groups of five or six, and then I'm going to lead us through a practice. If you have a handout with you this morning, the passages should be on your handout on that second or third page. You don't need to turn there. You won't need a Bible. You're just going to listen here in a moment, but you can reference your Bible after you hear the passages read. But this is from the lectionary reading, which is an ancient tradition practice of churches from uh, different denominations and backgrounds like us that kind of put together daily readings to equip God's people to listen to the apostles' teaching. And so today's readings are, are there's four of them. And I'm going to lead us through a practice together of listening to what these readings might have to say to us in our time and place. So the first thing we're going to do before you turn to the passages or do anything else, we're going to sit in silence. We get to be outside here in this beautiful space. Would you just sit in silence for about a minute? And then I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us today through these passages that are going to be read. And we're going to see what, in a sense, bubbles up from our own hearts as we listen to the Spirit and from one another as we're in community. So let's sit in silence for just a minute. Holy Spirit, would you speak now through your word? So let me read the passages to you. As you're sitting in your groups, would you hear the four passages today? And we'll begin to reflect on maybe what the Spirit is doing in and, and through us as we hear from God's word today. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A reading from the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's names testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me and is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. A reading from the book of Acts. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him to urge him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Tabitha had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet, and then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. In our last reading from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You just heard four pictures, four stories from all parts of Scripture. I'd love for you to turn in your group now, and we went from reading to now reflecting. What's a theme that now has emerged maybe for you as you heard these passages read? Maybe a stirring in you. Maybe there's a word or a phrase Maybe there's a way that you're synthesizing the four passages together, seeing, hey, what is, what is the Spirit trying to say to us this morning or to you as you sit with God's Word in the context of community? Let's do that for the next couple minutes in your groups.
I'm going to have you continue your conversation in just a minute, but I'm going to switch gears a little bit on the direction. This is often where we stop right here with the reflection. We enter into God's Word, maybe even as you've been reading the lectionary in the morning or at night whenever you do it. We do a lot of good reflection. Oh, this is really interesting. We're synthesizing themes, noticing different things that God might be saying. And then we never often move from reflection to then response. Like God's Word, living in Actum, is inviting a response. And the simplest way to say that is he's asking you in some form or way, as you just heard his word, to trust and obey. Trust and obey. What do you need to trust about God's character or who he is? And then obey. And obey is a, is a word we don't like to use in our culture. It has a lot of connotations that it's, it's, an un, it's a, not, not a very fun word. And yet there is an, a piece of as we trust and know that he is a shepherd, we're, we're called to obey, to obedience because we know that the shepherd loves us and cares for us. So right now, turn to your groups. I'd love for you, you can sit in silence for a minute if you need to, but like as you were reflecting, what, what, what are you being asked to personally to trust and obey as part of what you just heard or what you're reflecting on as a group? And it could be really simple. It could be this week, a, a specific pattern or habit. It could be uh, a particular part of God's character. It could, be, it could be real simple. Don't try to overcomplicate it. But where, where are you being invited to trust and obey this morning? The early church was committed to four practices, devotions, and you just entered into the first one. They were committed, devoted to the apostles' teaching. And maybe right now just a seed of trust and obedience was planted that will grow this week in some way. Or maybe if you're a slower process, processor like many of us are, maybe it just is starting, and then it will make more sense and bring more clarity in the weeks to come. But they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Actually, having this story... And these teachings be the operating system of their lives. They are devoted to fellowship, which is just common life, shared life among the family of God. That looks like on Sundays, but also, as you guys know, and we've tried to ingrain in you in the history of our church, it's also Monday through Saturday. The shared life of God's people working together, sharing birthdays, sharing both joys and sorrows, what you just did here, not reading scripture just in isolation, but actually listening together for what God might be trying to say to us. The third thing they were devoted to was prayer. And over the last three weeks, we've been committing and calling you to praying the same prayer together every morning or at some point during the day. It's a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. It's prayer number 16 for the mission of the church. And so stay in your groups because I want to actually use this prayer as a template for us to pray now. And so like the Lord's Prayer... Uh, the vision of it wasn't just to give you the same words you repeat over and over again, but to give you a template of how to pray. And this prayer follows a very similar pattern. And so I want to pray this prayer over us slowly, and then I'm going to invite you to respond in prayer in your groups with how the Spirit might be leading you to pray. It's a prayer for people near and far to encounter the goodness of Jesus and for the nations to come into His fold. So let's pray together.
O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth. And you have sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you continue this prayer in your groups? This morning, we have listened to God through the scripture. We have talked to God through prayer. You've got to experience and touch the presence of God through this community, which is the displayed uh, community of God's presence in the world. And now we get to taste and see that God is good through the fourth practice, which is coming to the table over here. The reference to breaking of bread most surely represented meals that were shared from house to house, but also most likely represented the shared table they had each week as a church, which we also share now 2,000 years later, each week to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And as much as we are to be devoted to these four practices, Jesus was far more devoted to you and to the rescue and redemption of his world. That before you give yourself to any of these things, the apostles' teaching, prayer, fellowship, and breaking of bread, Jesus was far more committed and devoted to seeing his world reconciled and renewed through what he did at the cross. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to read these words from 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to invite everyone to come and receive from Jesus at his table his body, and his blood. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, here's the good news, for the forgiveness of sins. You are forgiven today because of what Christ has done. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And we say this each week. For some, it might become rote, For some weeks, it might come with a sense of, do I really believe this? And yet the practice each week is forming us, deliberate, slow over time, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This is our hope. As Sarah said earlier, the call of the Christian life or the promise is not to avoid pain, but it is to give us great hope. And this is our hope. Jesus is alive, and he's offered you his presence. So let's say it together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Come and receive from the King.